0: Good morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alzan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why do you go us call? It's 291-6901.
1: And we're here live and in person this morning. to you get your questions post.
0: answered.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, you take a lot of holidays and uh, vacations. Yeah. Yes, I do. Yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs> We
1: enjoy every minute of That's it, right. too. That's right. When
2: you get to be my age, you'll be able to do that, too. <laughs> Just <laughs> work hard and save your money.
1: There you go. But, yeah, we
0: are in the studio live and in person person waiting and willing to answer any questions you might have, please give us a call. It's a whole lot more interesting than just listening to me and Brian, Jack, our job.
1: That's it, and we'll be here till about 11 o'clock. That's it. Now, if you think of something after 11 o'clock, or maybe at midnight next week, mm-hmm. you can always get your questions answered by going to our website. There you go. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. There is a contact bar on each and every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. You just go to the little form, fill it out, and send it in. It couldn't be any easier. No,
0: that's right, not unless somebody came over and did it for you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's also I, a, a search bar mm-hmm. on the top of the list on the left-hand side of the column. You can search the site for any automotive topic you can think of.
0: That's right. And, boy, there's so much information on that site. I think the last time I ran, I've got a little program that goes through and kind of breaks it up into different metrics. Uh-huh. I think over 1 million words of text on that site, so it's quite a bit of information there.
1: And it's all free. It's not
0: going to cost you a thing to go through it. That's right. All unbiased information. I've always tried with that site, and even with the show, not to really push my services or anything. Of course, we hope that you will see fit to do business with us sure. in the Baton Rouge area. But that's really not our main intent. Our main intent is to try to get information out to the public that they can uh, use.
1: Unbiased information. A lot of stuff you see on the Internet, you've got to search through it to find the good stuff. Because well, a lot of it's propaganda, advertisement, people trying to push their incentives and things of very, that nature. That's very, very
0: true. And a lot of times if you start to read, you, you'll get about halfway through the article, and then it becomes apparent that, hey— This guy is pretty slanted here. Yeah, he's (laughs) trying to sell me something. Yeah, especially if you have some knowledge of the topic. I know I go on a lot of automotive forums just looking for ideas and just seeing what other people are talking about and those sorts of things. And you'll see information that is out and out wrong, Uh just downright wrong, all the way to stuff that's pushing a particular product. and. They sometimes make no bones about it. Sometimes they kind of disguise what right. they're actually pushing, but can pretty much see it. <laughs> see, the people are pretty smart. They're pretty good at figuring that kind of stuff out. But we always try to keep any of that out of our sight as much as possible. No real agendas or access to grind. Just give people
1: information and let them make up their own minds. Sure. There's nothing there for sale. And that's it. <laughs> that is it. Exactly. Yeah, I had a guy ask me one time, well, how do you make money off of it? I said, I don't make money off of it. No.
0: Don't care to. You know, just put information out there. That's right. That's uh, something I enjoy doing. Go to website. It's www.agcoauto.com. Of course, right now, you can just give us a call. It's 291
1: and we certainly appreciate hearing from you. That's right. You put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. Absolutely correct. Driving into the show this
0: morning, and I saw something that I haven't seen
2: I guess recently, yeah.
0: I mean, I've seen it before, certainly, living in South Louisiana. But that is where the concrete in the road actually buckled. Right. And it's because of the extremely hot weather exceeds, I guess, what the engineers anticipated as far as expansion in the concrete.
1: Right, because every joint in the concrete is cut for expansion. That concrete is going to move well, Yeah, partic- when, you know, when it goes a bit. from
0: 60, 70 degrees at night to 100 plus during the day, that concrete is certainly going to expand. Exactly. And what happens is that it expands a certain amount the first day, and it starts to cool back. But because concrete is a pretty good insulator, it holds a good deal of heat overnight. Correct. The next day, the heat comes again. So it starts to build and accumulate, and the heat starts to rise. And the expansion starts to get more and more and more. Of course, I'm not an engineer, a thermal engineer, but I can right. kind of see what's happening. But at some point, the concrete sections have expanded more than what there is room allowed, and it just buckles up. And generally, it's out of joint. You'll see it'll rise up. And those can be anything from just a minor little bump in the road, maybe half-inch high, up to—I've seen them pop up a foot high. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Basically stop a car
1: sure. in its tracks if you, if you hit it. And if it expands enough, it will actually cause a crater on the other side of the expansion joint. As the concrete comes up, it expands out and— just traffic running over it mm-hmm. will actually knock a piece out of the back side of it sometimes. that's correct and
0: sometimes what will happen is one of the sections that have come up will fold over the other section and then it just becomes a big piece of loose concrete and it gets out well then there's a crater there so right a lot of people complain about the roads in south louisiana i've been all over the country and believe me these roads are no worse than they are anywhere else i've been lots right. and lots of areas in this country and all over the world really and <laughs> roads are roads wherever you are they all you know fairly bad uh-huh. shape and I guess no city, state, or even federal government has the money to really maintain the highways the way they should. Uh, keep uh, correct. Keep in impeccable order. So who knows? That's <laughs> it. <laughs> but the point is, when you're driving along and you do see something in the road like that, be it a big chuck hole or a rise in the concrete or something, uh-huh. There are better and worse ways to deal with that. And what I notice a lot of folks will do is they kind of go in maybe a little too fast. They sit at the last moment and they really lock up their brakes to try to slow down, which makes sense. But if you hit that embankment or that piece of concrete with your wheels in a locked position, you got to remember what's going on here. The weight of the car wants to carry you forward. Correct. The wheel is trying to stop. So everything in between is being stressed. All of your suspension points are being stressed. And most of that is mounted in rubber to absorb blows and bounces and stuff in the road. But when the wheel is stopped and the weight of the the inertia, the weight of the car is pushing forward, all that is pushed to its max. It's very, very tight. So there's no give there. So if you happen to strike the suspension in that position, you're going to do far more damage than if you were to just let off of the brakes just before you get to it and allow the car to roll over. Correct. That way, the natural compliance in the suspension can kind of jounce. It can absorb a lot of that impact, and it's going to do far, far less damage to the car.
1: Right. You would be surprised what kind of damage that type of obstruction well, in the road will cause.
0: You got a, say, 2,500 to 3,000-pound automobile traveling anywhere from conservatively saying 30 to 45 miles an hour if they're right. down. And that force of the moment, taking that much weight, and that wheel is traveling 35 miles an hour and stops all of a sudden.
1: You can actually bend suspension components oh, yeah. like that.
0: Yeah, it'll tear stuff up. I've, as well as you, have seen frame, unibody damage. I've seen suspension mounts actually ripped out of the body. Sure. Of course, bent wheels are very, very common, and that's far more common today than it was even just a few years ago.
1: Right, because of the size of the rim now. The has low-profile gotten, tires. The rim has gotten bigger. Tire itself has gotten smaller, but overall height is basically about the same. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you have a shorter sidewall on that tire. That sidewall on the tire back in a few years ago was several inches. Yeah, well, that might have been a
0: a 70 series tire several years ago. A 70 series means that it was 70% as tall as it is wide. Now, it's not at all uncommon to see a 40 series tire. Sure. It's only 40% as tall as it is wide. So it is a much, much shorter sidewall with a
1: much taller wheel. Less cushion there, so the wheel gives... As the the wheel goes through from the hole, actually pushes in on the tire. Well, the tire gives only so much. Mm -hmm. And then the rim starts giving. Mm -hmm. And we see that almost every day. Oh, yeah. A bent wheel on a car. That's
0: very, very, very common. And the degree of bend is also, I guess it varies considerably. Sometimes you'll see a a big noticeable bend. I mean, clearly it's a bent wheel and air is running out and all that. But far, far more common is just a wobble to the wheel, what we call run out. Right. In other words, if you spin the wheel, it's no longer traveling in a true arc. It's actually wobbling side to side, which causes vibration and all that sort of thing, damage to the car. Uneven tire wear. Uneven tire wear and what have you. But that is very, very common. Now, beyond the wheel, the, the tire is gonna take the initial impact. Correct. And the air cushion is gonna deflect to the degree that it can. Then the rim is going to start to bend. Beyond that, if there's enough energy present, it's going to start to bend things like hubs, which is a part that the wheel bolts too. Correct. It can bend that flange, warp it. It can damage the wheel bearing because all the force goes through the little rollers of the bearing. It can bend the spindle. It can bend the strut. It the can lower bend arm. the control arms, and it can. If there's enough energy still present, it's going to start to bend the mounts where the control arm attaches to the body. Correct. And in some cases, that's not going to be the exact sequence. That's kind of the sequence that the energy flows through, but it's not necessarily the order in which things are going to bend. For instance, if you have a big stamp steel control arm, it may be stronger than, than that the mount. 20-gauge body mount. Correct,
1: <laughs> and it'll actually bend the mount back. We've seen that quite a bit.
0: Yeah, and what you see is you go into the alignment shop, maybe your car starts to pull to the right or pull to the left or something like that. And when you go to the alignment shop, guy says, well, it's lined, but it still pulls. And if you go to a... I guess a little more than just a normal alignment shop, go to someone who has a little bit of experience with collision-type damage or frame-type damage, Mm -hmm. He can say, well, we can't set caster or we can't set camber or it's out of spec and there's not enough adjustment to bring it in. Correct. And that's when you have to visit a frame shop to actually correct those sorts of problems.
1: And a lot of those things can be corrected just with a frame machine yeah you know the-
0: very very often they can and of course the key there is diagnosis you have to diagnose the problem first off to know what to do because the car was built in alignment and there's when it Correct. left Toyota or Where, Chevrolet whoever or built Buick it. or whomever built the car it was in alignment more and more cars today do not have provisions for adjustment because Correct. they're building them pretty precisely and they know they're in alignment when they leave the factory Unless something bends, it's going to stay in alignment, and if something bends, they want you to correct the problem and not go in and adjust for it. Correct. So they've eliminated the adjustments far and away on most cars. It's still a toe adjustment on everything, but camber and caster is kind of the exception to see anything adjustable. So when it gets out of alignment, many times you're going to have to go in, diagnose the problem, replace bent, bent components. damaged or worn parts, and right. then it's going to be back in alignment again. Correct. So, anyway, that's probably everything you never want to know. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to go to our phone lines. we got Keith online. Good morning, Keith.
3: Hey, how are you? Doing great, sir. Doing great. I want to let you know that General Motors uh, struck again. All right. I got a 2011 Silverado. I pulled the interior door handle a little too
0: hard. Oh, it breaks that cable, yeah. It didn't break the cable, it broke, it broke the, the little Yeah, the whole it door panel. The little hole where the cable. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take this. You well, yeah, it, cannot buy an interior no. door handle. No, you got to buy a whole panel. Oh, buy yeah. All, yes, See it every day, man. Two
3: hundred and sixty-nine dollars. Oh, absolutely, yeah.
0: absolutely. You know, Keith. Ironically, I am writing an article on that exact topic right now. It'll probably go online next week, and it's on removing interior door panels because. We got several articles on repairing power windows and all that kind of stuff, but I realize we don't have any articles on removing door panels. Yeah, that is when you pull that panel off, you can't pull it away from the door but just a very short distance. If you get just the least bit rough and pull it, you'll break it and you gotta buy a new door panel. Yeah,
3: that is
0: and the same thing with the console, mm-hmm. the little plastic block that you need to keep your clothes. And you know, as, buy that
2: either. As, bad, as
0: bad as it is, I think it's around 260 bucks for that panel. That's yeah. actually not that outrageous when you compare it to some. Try one on like a Lincoln Town car. $1,400 for that door panel. Yeah, but that's leather covered. Uh, I did buy it right there. That's leather, leather
2: uh-huh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, Uh-huh. I yeah, mean, so,
0: some are ridiculous, man. I mean, they are way always, on up there.
2: Yeah,
1: the trucks always had a bolt-on interior. Yeah, door door handle.
0: Yeah, they. So I fixed mine though. Yeah, I, uh, I put it back in the little pocket,
3: mm-hmm.
0: tied it with a piece
1: of copper wire to keep it in go. place. There you go. Put uh, JB Weld. Oh yeah. had a mound of JB Weld. Alive. Oh yeah. I
0: remember the very first one we had coming to shop. I did the same exact thing. I broke it, and I buy the guy a door panel because <laughs> I wasn't gonna patch his door panel. But yeah, I, I didn't consider myself getting rough with it, but I just pulled it a little too hard and snap aroo yeah. i learned that lesson
1: <laughs> and those door <laughs> well, panels those door panels are all put on in a different fashion oh yeah i mean some of them some of them you take the screws out of and you lift straight up yeah some yeah. of them you take the screws out of and you Move pull them forward. out some of them you, some of them have no screws no screws yeah yeah once you
3: find the
0: screws it. It basically got the little plastic right. nylon push in, right. so it turned it off. We got right a, I've we got got a book. I got a book on my desk right now. I was looking through some of the procedures. This book literally it covers the last ten years of cars, and it is three inches thick, and right. it's nothing but removing door panels. That's it. Right. A three That's three all inch it is. Thick book. Yeah.
3: Hidden hardware. That's Different the procedures. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: It's outrageous, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank
3: y'all. All right. good.
0: Right, right, so guys man. Bye bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to join us, we'd love to have you. Why don't you go and give us a call? And we got Doug on line. Good morning, Doug.
2: Yeah, good morning, guys. Yes,
0: good morning. sir. I got a 99 Suburban and my cruise control, when I have it on,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I'll be running along, like, say, 50 miles an hour. Yes, sir. I'll
2: go up to 55. i go to push a little lever to increase the uh, speed, mm-hmm. and it'll die. It'll kick off. Yeah, it just kicks uh, off.
0: I can tell you, Doug, most of the time, there is a module in there called the cruise control module. On that, yep. That's that's the old system. And that's most of the time what the problem is. We changed quite a few of those for that issue. And that part has actually been discontinued from GM. You can't buy it from GM any longer. But if you go, like, on eBay and just get the part number off the old part and put it under there, several people who are reproducing it. There are several people who offer it as a rebuilt unit, and there several used ones on there. But that's where we've been having to get them from
2: what kind of price range is it? It just with? depends on
0: who's got it and how much they want for it. I've seen them anywhere from $30 up to $300. When it was available from GM, it was three to 400 bucks.
2: Oh,
0: okay. But they're, so. they're not available any longer. Now, like I said, don't go just change that part. He has a few tests you have to run, but that is by far right. the most common thing we see. They had a fair amount of problem with that. Later on, they went to drive-by-wire and they eliminated that. Now, the PCM just commands the throttle body to open, so it really doesn't have a module or anything. It all runs through the PCM now on the, on the later model stuff.
2: Okay, well, I'll look and see what one, if I can get one cheap, but it's, mm-hmm. it's not uh, it's not that big.
0: It's not that important. Yeah, and, I mean, it's not that hard to test that system. It stores a code just like any other part of the car does. You can go in with Tech 2, retrieve the codes, make sure that's what it is, because theoretically, I mean, it could be a loose wire or something somewhere. It could do the same thing, I guess, even a bad brake light switch, but, that dropping out at speed, most of the time when we check that, that's what we find is that module is going bad right. so, and going some, bad. So may work is, fine for a while. may work fine for six months, and then it'll start doing it again.
3: Is there any kind of heat related or not?
0: I don't know if there's really any specific thing that I've ever noticed, Doug. I have people who come in and say, man, every three months it does it, and then it'll work good, and then right, it does it right, again. Exactly. And I can't really figure out a rhyme or reason. It's just like any electronic part. you know, It works when it wants to work. Right. Kind of like some people. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: <laughs> All right,
0: well, thank you both. All right, Doug. Thanks right. for calling me. Bye-bye. All right, got to take a quick little break. Hey, Chris, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. Plan to
2: and that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the know-it-all Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about $15,000. That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, i never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer.
1: And I can spend money on other things, like my beautiful wife.
2: I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh?
1: Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you?
2: Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us, the Automotive
0: Hour. i your host, Louis Alvesan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call, 291-6901, and we're going back to the lines with Chris. Good morning, Chris.
3: Hey, Lewis, good morning. How you doing, man? Look, let's talk batteries this morning. I know you've said after about three years, it's a good idea to replace a battery, right?
0: Well, let me give you my thoughts on it, Chris. If you look at anybody's data, what they will tell you is across the United States, the average life of battery is 38 months, slightly less in the South because it's real hot. Now, if we know the average is 38 months, and some might go to four years, some are going to die at two, but most of them are going to die around three years. Why wouldn't you just go ahead and just change the blasted thing before it leaves you stranded? Not only that, but what's, I mean, what's a battery, 80 bucks for a good one? So if you change it in four years, it costs 20 bucks a year. If you change it in three years, it costs you about 27 bucks a year. For seven bucks, you're straining the devil out of your alternator because it's having to work hard to keep your old battery up. You're straining your starter. You may get broke down, which would cost you hundred bucks for a wrecker.
1: Not to mention, when it does go bad, you lose all your drivability data. All of that's all lost. Of that's gone. Some of the newer cars,
0: like some of your BMWs, you let the battery go dead one time; it costs three hundred bucks to reprogram it.
1: Toyota also has a program you have to yeah, go through. Yeah, you lose all your down. power
0: windows and all that kind of stuff. So Sunroof. To me, it just makes sense. I want to change it when I want to change it. I want to go where I want to go, and I'm going to have someone preserve my energy and stuff, so I'm not going to lose all that data. It's I just, wanna, to I, me, it's way, way, way worth the 7 eight, ten 8 10 I would say if I pushed it to fail.
3: Okay, okay. I'm, I'm sold on that. But I went over to the dealer, and he said 140 bucks is what he wants for a battery. That okay. kind of shocked me. I used to just, Batteries I'll have gotten—some the some of them are
1: that expensive. What yeah, type of vehicle are we talking about? Well, it's a Hyundai Santa Fe. Okay.
0: Yeah, it seems a little high oh, on does. that one. It I would does. check around. Chris, you it's know... Not,
1: this is not an OEM part kind of thing. No, either. not no. at all.
0: You want a, a name brand. You don't want a cheap battery. And you want there something are certain readily brands available. that I don't like. Some of the real big name brands I don't like because they leak a lot. And I can't say anything on the air, but if you want to send me an email, I'll tell you some ones to watch out for. I also so don't see any need in buying like a 7- or 8-year battery. Because in my opinion, the only thing you're paying for is a longer warranty. It's just a warranty game. You pay me more up front and I'll warranty it longer for you. I buy a three to five year battery and I change every three years. And I've had very, very good luck with that generally it doesn't have to come from the dealer i mean i will buy a delco for a gm product i like motocraft motocraft's a very good battery i've had but good luck with
1: those they're only limited to the sizes they make for ford yeah ford so Motorcraft's ford,
0: mostly only Fords, right. but those are good brands and you don't have to buy them from a dealership there's lots of other folks who do sell them for a more reasonable cost basically when you go to a dealer and buy a battery let's say you go to a toyota dealer and buy a battery you're not getting a toyota battery what you're getting is a battery made by somebody else, and I could tell you the people who make it, but I'm not going to say it over the air, and a decal that says Toyota stuck on the front of it. That is not, you know, Toyota doesn't make batteries and ship them over here from Japan. They no. just buy a battery locally and put their decal on it.
3: Now, I know you've said that oil changes or something, to do it yourself or should really, you know, probably. It really all
0: really look at doing It's not that, a big you know. deal,
3: but what about batteries? You know, with all this new technology, I'm a little worried about i just disconnect everything. Yeah, Chris, I'm going to tell you,
0: you buy a battery from me, not that I'm trying to sell you a battery, but I'm going to install it for you for free anyway. and, and we're, I'm gonna preserve we're, gonna, it, we're not going to charge you anything to do it, and I'm going to be a lot less expensive than what the dealer is. And, and we're going to preserve
1: I'll, all your information, yeah, all your data.
0: You can do it yourself, but it's just really kind of a pain, and most people are not going to charge you very much of anything to change it for you. I mean, if you like doing it, that's fine, but if you really don't enjoy doing that kind of stuff, I mean, it's not really a cost savings edit I've ever seen.
3: I'll call you next week and get it done. All right, Alrighty, man. All right,
0: sir. Thanks, Thank Chris. You. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive fire, we would love to have you. And we've got Brett on the line. Good morning, Brett.
3: Good morning, guys. How y'all doing today? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Oh, man, it's always a great day. <laughs> Saturday morning when you're not working, but trying to get your home life stuff done. Yeah, there you
1: go.
3: I got a couple different questions on a, two different vehicles. Okay. Okay. First, I got a 2006 Dodge Mega Cab Ram. Okay, it's the diesel. Mm-hmm. I have noticed that the front end has started settling more and more. It's got about 113. I will on run that thing till the wheels fall off. Put them mm-hmm. back on, run it some more, and just because I'm on a truck allowance paid for, and it's one of those deals. I'm just gonna just gonna run it till sure it, makes a lot of sense. Okay, can't go any more. I've seen some some just some different trend stuff. Reading some of my trend papers. Pages on that's one of the first. Year, that was the first year of that Mega Cab that super long. Drive. Mm-hmm. I've heard that the springs were a little bit weak on okay. that. Is it worth changing it drivability and ride wise to put the they make up? Not make a,
0: Yeah, not unless it's causing you a problem, Brett. I don't. I'm not a big proponent of changing springs unless I'm having a problem. And the problem you would have if you start hitting a bump and it's slamming down in the front. And, like, little rubber jounce bumpers are all smashed flat. Or gone. Or gone. (laughs) Clearly, you have a problem there, and then you need to restore the ride height with another spring. But as far as if the vehicle still rides acceptably well and it handles acceptably well, I would not go to the expense of replacing springs. I mean, I don't see where they're really going to make that big of a deal. Well,
3: because then mine might be doing what you're saying, because I think that it's gotten to where, when you hit a bump, it jolts more. I mean, and I've changed, put the the shock up. Yeah, I put changes on the front course. It didn't really help. I run yeah. Michelins on it. I run yeah. good tires on it.
0: I tell you, Brett, you could hold on through this break, I'll be be—I'll give you a whole bunch more information. Hang on. We'll be right
2: back after this break. That's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the know-it-all Cajun. Hey. Call her what you want to know.
3: Alphonse. My car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right?
2: Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time.
3: Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all say, are you as good looking as you are smart?
2: Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go
3: the river to rock.
1: don't mind it because the man with the whiskers has a lot behind
0: it but well,
2: welcome back if you joining right us
0: the right automotive hour i'm your host lewis althazan with, with mr me. brian terry hey between two of us we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have and just for the break we're talking to brett and brett you're concerned because the front of your truck is sitting lower than before i can tell you brett if you do decide to change the springs you gonna need to be very very careful because that is a very specific spring for that vehicle if you can find something that is vehicle specific and there's made for that particular application then you could probably go with an aftermarket spring but my problem has been with aftermarket springs is either the truck ends up nosed up six inches in the front or nosed down six inches in the front I can never find one that actually gives me the proper ride height and that's why I generally don't like using them if you go to the dealer give them the VIN number you get the exact same spring that the truck came new with so, at least you will have the proper ride height and all that sort of thing. But I've seen a lot, a lot of variation in springs. They either make them a lot stronger or they make them a lot weaker or whatever. Anyway, you end up with your truck pointing up or pointing down the front. And if you change the original ride height, you're going to throw the geometry in the front end completely haywire. I mean, you'll never be able to line the front end properly again. Right. And you'll start tearing up parts in your front end. So, you may create a bigger problem than you solve.
3: And I might need a check with Chrysler they might have actually have an upgrade on the springs because of that problem that being that first mega cab yeah and
0: see there's going to be a specification for ride height you could probably go online and find it where you could take a tape measure and put it in the wheel opening and measure down to the ground
1: or wherever they specify this measurement at I've seen it on the control arms I've seen it on the body I've seen it on the frame I've seen it between the control arms I've seen it from the fender lips to the ground it just depends on where Dodge specified that ride height measurement at. Yeah, and see, the the reason that's important is you want to make sure you are addressing the
0: proper problem because, like you say, you tried a set of shocks, didn't do anything. Of course, you probably needed shocks anyway, so you didn't lose a whole lot. But if you go put a set of springs in, you still got the same exact problem because it wasn't a ride height issue. Well, now, you know, we've invested quite a bit. So there are other things that can make that same exact sensation. One thing is I have seen broken motor mounts feel you would swear that the front end is bottoming out. But what's happening is that on a bump, the engine's actually picking up and slamming down the chassis. Feels exactly the same. Have you and seen that I've, on
3: a Cummins? Have you seen that I've on the I've seen t-
0: that on every vehicle that's ever been made, and the heavier the engine, the more likely that's, that is to occur. But I have seen people change springs over and again and come in, and this thing still rides terrible. I said, what do you mean by rides terrible? Well, every time I hit a bump, it just bottoms out. And you go drive it, and it's the engine bottoming. Out. It's, it's bouncing up slamming down. So we put a set of motor mounts. Well, geez, what would you do? That's <laughs> how so I well, fixed I might, the problem, you know?
3: <laughs> well, on that one. So I'm not saying that is it, it, but
0: I'm just saying that is one thing that does confuse folks.
3: Right, and and I'm one of those, the company I work for, I'm from, drive all the way from Pasadena, Texas to Decatur, Alabama, mm-hmm. all over the Baton Rouge area mm-hmm. and so I might bring that thing to you and just let you look at it from front to back and that'd be a bad a...
0: idea yeah particularly if you haul a pretty heavy load with it see that Cummins has so much torque you throw a big heavy trailer back there and then you get down on it pretty good and that torque's going somewhere and it has oh, yeah. to go through those motor mounts to get to the frame to put the power to the ground well,
3: it, so it, it,
0: it can actually rip those mounts up pretty good
3: yeah, and that little, that truck people don't realize, but it kind of scallops the tires a little bit if you're not careful. It's, oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. It, well, you wear. It doesn't really spin them, but it just kind of you will wear back them.
0: tires probably faster than you wear front tires. Right. Oh that, yeah. That's that's very common on most diesels. I had a guy who had a set of Michelin's on on his diesel, and he had about sixty thousand miles on the fronts, and he was going through rears every thirty thousand, and he was a little disappointed. So I called Michelin and. He says, he asked me what tire he had, what kind of vehicle. He says, diesel, right? I said, yeah. He said, How'd you know? He says, I know. He gets called all day long. He says, some of these diesels, particularly if you put a chip in it or something like that where it's really making power, what happens, that tire is just slipping very slightly all the time. And it's going to wear those tires in the rear. It's going to wear them evenly across. So it won't wear them to one side or the other necessarily. But it will definitely wear rear tires pretty fast. Yeah, I got
3: 68 out of two of them, 92 out of the other two. Yeah, that's great. Right. And I didn't even have to change them. I just said... You know, I got to the point in 92, I was like, you know. Yeah,
0: it's time. I
3: just want these to go. That's right. That's right.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm that way, too. I don't believe in run to fail, man.
3: And, and then, so I'm going to bring it to you and let you look at it. But then i got another little question okay. for you. I actually got, just if you don't got time, i sure, got go two ahead. quick questions you for you. My wife got a 2008 G37S coupe. Okay. Mm-hmm. Man, Infinity wants you to change the oil in the transmission every 30,000 miles.
0: Yeah, and I'm not sure what transmission that has in it, but I know that Nissan and Infiniti have both had a lot of transmission problems.
3: And there's no filter. That just bothers me. Yeah, it's probably it has no, a filter, it's but it's
0: built it's inside internal. the unit. You can't change it. Yeah, so it's gonna it's- be a drain fill type thing. But they have a lot of trouble wearing the valve bodies out on those vehicles a lot because it's a pulse modulated valve body, and those steel pistons are moving constantly in that aluminum body. And if you get the least little bit of degradation in your fluid, you can start wearing out a valve body. And that valve body is about 1000 bucks just for Ooh, the part, and right. probably at least that to put it
1: in. And that, that service on it every 30,000 miles is a whole lot cheaper real than cheap. that valve body. Real, real cheap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's yeah. easy to do. It's easy to do. That's the thing. You just open the drain, drain it out, put the plug back in, fill it up with the right amount, drive it around a little bit, come back, drain it again put the plug back in it, and refill it, and right. Double you're, you're drain pretty and much done. And
0: see, what happens is that when you cha- you drain the fluid the first time, it runs out through that filter screen, so you get most of the trash out. You fill it, the fresh fluid sucks up in there. When you turn it off, it runs back out, so it kind of washes the screen out to a degree. And then you drain it a second time, and that's how you actually can keep that filter from restricting, because if it becomes restricted, you got to tear a transmission down. to. Now, if to I'm it.
1: not mistaken, Nissan has several different fluids, correct?
0: They do. Most of those will take Matic S. I'm not sure on this exact one, you'd have to check specifications on it because there are several fluid, but you do have to get precisely the right fluid for it or you will have trouble.
3: What would that run ballpark at y'all's shop uh, to do that?
0: Anywhere from probably $150 to $200 somewhere, possibly less. I don't know how much the fluid is. Some of that fluid is extremely expensive. Some of it's 25 bucks a quart. You know, it just depends on what fluid My wife brought it, it over
3: there and it was $268 to do the transmission. And I was like, that's kind of crazy just for fluids, you know?
0: Yeah, but the fluids are really expensive. Some of the Nissan Matic fluids can run 25 bucks a quart. I
3: mean, they, they are yeah, really, they really gonna, expensive, yeah. Yeah,
1: you're going to use anywhere between four and six, maybe seven quarts to do yeah. a double drain and fill on it. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I'm going to bring it definitely next time it needs it and let you all do that on okay. that one. I've actually, Lou, has been going to you since you were up on Foster Drive.
0: Wow. Yeah, it's been a <laughs> while, man. It's been a while. <laughs> we moved to Corsi in... 91? 92, I believe. 92 is when we moved. Yes. Yeah, my like brain that. is starting to get old.
3: <laughs> uh, look, I understand, man. My mind is, too. We had Malcolm travel for years mm-hmm. here in Baton Rouge. Yeah, got yeah. Out, we got out of the business, and I, I do health and safety for a company here in town. But, oh, okay, uh, great. But anyway, but yeah, we. I've been coming to you forever, and... Yeah. Uh, just trust it, and then I'm a tinker. I love to play with cars. Mm-hmm. I, I play with old cars, play with boats. I don't care. I play anything mechanical. <laughs> I don't like new stuff as much. I'm not quite as comfortable. Yeah. I'm getting ready to go do some work on my daughter's little S10. she got a little S10 Extreme, a mm-hmm. little two-door. Okay. V6 automatic.
0: Uh-huh.
3: It's got a 210,000. It's got a little lifter tap in it. So I got a set of lifters for it I was going to put in it. Okay. And while I was in there, I said, "Yo, i got that much part. I'm going to go ahead and put a timing chain okay. in it.
1: Not a bad idea.
3: The water pump is original. Mm-hmm. The fan clutch is original. Well, you'll have
1: it all off. That's right. It's all got to come off.
3: I'm going back with the good for parts or OEM. Yeah, Are I would good? like
1: to
0: use the OEM on a fan clutch especially. Some of the aftermarket stuff is real noisy. It just doesn't operate like the OEM part did. So I always okay. like to use that. As far as the timing chain, I mean, a, a good any good name brand is going to be good.
3: So I'm doing all that and the question I had for you, I I wanna am reading some information. That car came with that little truck came with that uh sequential fuel yes, injection right. with mm-hmm. the spider system That's where correct. you have the injectors at the top yes, mm-hmm. and goes down to the poppet valve. That's correct. One.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
3: Well, they've done away with that, I know, and they've come with this new – they used the one that they used all the way up to 07. Port
0: injection, yeah, much, much – Much better. uh, Better product product thing. Yeah, I've converted my truck. I have an 2 that had the sequential injection. I've changed it over to port injection. I've been very, very pleased with it.
3: Well, and that was my question. I got all that apart. I'm looking at Mm -hmm. it. I can go to the dealership and get it.
0: I think it's about Uh, $400 for the conversion kit.
3: Well, I can go to the dealership and get it here in town. Mm -hmm. Uh, 269 two sixty nine. Yeah, that's How's good.
0: That? Yeah, it may have come down. Yeah, that I would definitely well, for that price yeah. I'd definitely do it. It's also a little bracket that you have to change. One of the brackets is different. I think it's about twenty but or thirty dollar part.
3: Is it gonna make it it should actually help it just general performance as far as doesn't help school. performance
0: that much, but it does help the idle a lot and it helped my mileage just a little bit.
3: Well and that's what I'm worried about. She's going to college. Mm-hmm. And I got a theory is I'm going to let her, she's driving this truck until she graduates and mm-hmm. she's only a sophomore. So. There you go. <laughs> I That's good. Driving.
0: That's <laughs> right. This
3: is your truck to the end, so I'm trying to make it. And, and I know that little 4.3 is pretty bulletproof. Yeah, it oh, is. It, it really, really is. is. Mm-hmm. It run in 40 pounds of oil pressure, so I'm not worried about that, yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I know I, I'd
0: definitely go ahead and convert that over. That, that makes a real, real nice swap. And it's a it, piece of cake. It just bolts right in. The,
3: like same the same thing horse the, connects and everything. Oh, it is? It's mm-hmm. a plug right I, in. I said, well, I got it apart. I might as well go ahead and do that. Strictly just, a plug and play.
1: Right. It comes with instructions. There's a certain routing. You have to route the tubes just uh-huh. so when you put the top of the intake back on, they don't rub against everything. Okay. And like Lewis was saying, there's a special bracket. When you take the center port off where the wires come in the top and the fuel comes out the bottom, uh-huh. that piece is different. It mounts different. There's a bracket that bolts to the bottom, to the top of the lower intake. You have to change that so you can mount the the plug back in the correct place but other than that I mean it's it's a great little swap yeah
3: well and so I said let me just do that then the other two quick questions on it and this is it I've never I don't I bought the truck secondhand I don't know any history on the transmission it shifts well it's automatic mm-hmm. it shifts well I don't know whether to service it or not I've heard the rule of oh, yeah. some of you no if you haven't serviced it you service it no. if you, no, it ain't, you, no, absolutely
0: nah. not. The only thing—I mean—you if you service it wrong, you can damage it. But a proper service can never ever hurt it. Okay. Not at any okay. mile.
3: Well, and it's shifting great, mm-hmm. so I mean, it might have been done or could have been. Just—I know that's the same transmissions in some of the bigger trucks. It, is. it doesn't get—it doesn't get run hard in a little small S10 if you don't run the truck hard.
0: You yeah, know? yeah, it's—it uh, definitely could uh, benefit from a service. It's not going to hurt anything, and can definitely benefit it.
3: And I'm gonna run it and let y'all do that part because mm-hmm. it's up on a rack and I can. I'm comfortable. I'm gonna do all the lifters, everything myself. There you go. I can do that in my shop, but I don't have a way to lift it, so I'm gonna let y'all come. I'm gonna let y'all do that for sure. me. And and then one other thing, on O2 sensors, mm-hmm. do you change them if they haven't been changed? Or you just let them go until uh, they throw a code. Some
0: some people do, some people don't. I I mean, my theory is they do get old, they do get lazy, they don't respond as well. If I were going to do as much work as you're talking about, I mean, what's, what's a couple 0 two sensors? Just,
3: right. I'm trying to get her all the fuel mileage. I don't, I don't expect her to knock the world on fire. Mm-hmm. The little truck's only going to like 15, 16. Yeah, I, I would
0: swap them. I mean, at that kind of mileage, it's certainly not going to hurt anything. I mean, it's, some cars actually recommend them at a certain point. Most don't. They just say run them until you get a code. But they get slow, and they get weak way before they actually go out and set a code.
3: Okay. And, uh, yeah, I'm doing everything on the front. I'm doing the water pump, the clutch. Yeah, the, right. I'd learn the, Good idea. the other, but the One belt One other thing, tincture.
0: too, I would yeah do, do the belt tincture because those definitely wear out, and you can't tell. They don't show any outward signs, but they start burning up compressor clutches and all that sort of thing because they slip.
3: Anything else that you would recommend while I'm that far down? Man, I think
0: you got it covered.
3: You I had to put a radiator because the, the plastic on the end. Yeah, it cracks
0: in time. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: But other than that, I mean, it's I, my wife says, well, you'll pour a lot of money. I said, no, but it's going to make it a long time. There you go. worst it's going to do is use a little oil now, wow. you know.
0: Yeah, Probably not.
3: No, and I'm a switcher to 15 or it, it. Yeah, just stay
0: with the 5W30. That's all. Right. It, that's what it needs for the life of the vehicle. I mean, there's no okay, sense no. going to a different grade oil. No,
1: no, that's that's good for the life of that vehicle. Use your good quality oil filter, and you shouldn't have any yep. lubrication troubles. Yeah,
3: y'all, y'all believe in the ones with the valve in there. PF47. <laughs> okay. AC Delco yeah,
0: PF47. Be- yep.
3: A lot of people, I know a lot of cheap ones, I tell people, man, they don't have a valve in your yeah. the oil drain. They may
0: or may not, and sometimes when they have the valve, it's made out of neoprene instead of silicone. It doesn't work properly. So, no, the AC Delco PF47 on there and just regular 5W30, and that's going to run until you get tired of having it.
3: Well, is the PF47 the long or the short one? That's uh, regular standard filter Just kind it's the of short. short one. Small.
0: It's one yeah. that goes on it.
3: I know they have a long one on the 4 drive. It's about a... About three or four inches longer. Actually. Yeah, but it has yeah. no,
0: more, no more filtering capability. Just okay. the outside can is different.
3: Okay, and on the service on that transmission, what's that run?
0: We'd have to see. It's, it's around $135, 140 bucks.
3: Okay. Well, right. I appreciate y'all times, okay, guys. All All right, y'all, Brett. Have, y'all have an interesting show every week. I try to listen the most I can. Well, good well, thank you. We appreciate it. Okay, man. Y'all have a good All right, Brett. Thanks, All man. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: All right, one last quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour.
2: And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the know-it-all Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about
0: $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a
2: new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? dollars. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it cost you 30000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about 2500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about 1200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh?
3: Whoa, sounds
0: like I need to keep my old car.
2: Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer.
0: Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market
2: tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Oh, yeah. Learn more about the benefits of Agco at adcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alpazan, president of Agco Automotive. We've got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go give us a call? We still have plenty of time. Be glad to try to get you an answer to anything you might be thinking about.
1: There you go. Wondering about. <laughs> did
0: I say? You know, we were talking earlier about hitting potholes and stuff like that, and a lot of problems, happen. things that happen to a car. Another thing that happens quite a bit, that of course, being in the frame alignment business, we see it quite a bit. And that's where a car has been maybe wrecked at some point in time. And I know there used to be this old mantra about, it: once a car is wrecked, it's never the same. And the reason that was, I guess, originated is because it was never put back like it was supposed to be. Right. It was never fully corrected. Fully restored. And part of that is the way they used to fix cars many years ago. I remember when I first got into the frame and alignment business, it was not at all uncommon to go in, take a wreck car, take all the parts off of it, hang the new parts on, paint everything, and then go to put the bumper on. The bumper didn't fit right, so you'd send it to the frame shop. Correct. To get the frame straight so you could fit the bumper. And, of course, now what most more enlightened shops do is before they even start on the car, it goes to the frame shop. They measure it out, make sure everything is completely restored before you do anything else. Which makes way way more sense, and you was trying to argue that forty years ago. Right? <laughs> Nobody wanted to hear it. Did, but oh no! It's sort of like you wouldn't go into your house and do the wallpaper and paint and plaster, and then go get the foundation jacked up. Correct. After you were finished, you would want to get all of that fixed first. So you need
1: to get, like you say, you need to get the foundation fixed first. That is the, the same first thing, thing with an automobile. Do. Yeah,
0: you want to make sure you've got a good sound foundation and. That's the case where, let's say your car was wrecked at some point, maybe two, three years ago, and ever since, some little something is just not right. Now, there's all sorts of things it could manifest as. For instance, it may just be a vibration that was never in the car before. Correct. It may be a pull to the right or left. It It may be a clunk noise that you'd never had before. uh Uh-huh. It could be that it is wearing a certain part out prematurely. Right. For instance, my car went 150,000 miles and did not wear out the ball joints, and then... In the last 50,000 miles, I've gone through two sets. Okay. Well, something's wrong. Something is bent. Something's out of place. Wheel bearings are another
1: thing where— Those most often get overlooked.
0: Yeah. Well, what happens is that, let's say you strike something with the wheel. The energy goes in. It maybe warps the knuckle, which is the round hole that the bearing presses into. Well, soon thereafter, the bearing fails. Well, maybe a shop goes in. They see a failed bearing. They press it out. They press a new one in. Well, they may or may not realize they're pressing this bearing into a warped hole. In other words, the hole is no longer
1: perfectly round. Right. It's actually oval now. Yeah.
0: And when we're saying oval, it may only be a thousandth of an inch or so. Sure. Just a very, very, very tiny amount. But now what's happening is that these rollers are not rolling in a circle. They're rolling in an egg shape. And so they're extreme load in two points opposite each other, not even making contact on the other two points opposite each other. So that bearing is going to fail very quickly. And when I say very quickly, that could be anywhere from 500 miles to 10,000 miles. But the bearing is going to go out again, and you replace it, and it goes out again.
1: That right there is a sign. You have a problem. You have a problem. And And you need to communicate that, especially if you're uh, shop hopping. You know, if one shop repairs it, and then another shop repairs it, and then another shop repairs it, the and last shop has, has no indication of what happened in the past. Right. So you need to let them know, hey, this car was wrecked. I've had three bearings put in it. He's not looking for a problem. He's he sees a, a bad
0: wheel bearing, so he replaces the wheel bearing. Correct. And I'm not saying that's totally imprudent because he can't go in and just diagnose every single car for everything that might have ever happened to it because the cost would be ridiculous. Oh, it would. So it's your responsibility to let them know hey this car has had a problem and it's had this problem ever since it was wrecked and right. it keeps wearing the right front wheel bearing out and a and good shop will he's stop gonna, right well, there. well you will stop and say okay now wait a minute what do you mean keeps wearing it out well i've put three bearings on the right i've never changed one left okay well now i got some idea right. of the magnitude of the problem now we've got a problem so what we're going to do is we being in the frame and alignment and that type of business, we've got actually a series of jigs. We can go in and measure that knuckle. We can measure the bore on the hole. We can check all these sorts of things, and we can tell you what the problem is, and we can correct the problem. Now, I'm not going to necessarily do that. If a guy comes in, he's got 300,000 miles, he has a bad wheel bearing. Well, I'm not necessarily going to spend an hour diagnosing that problem because it's reasonable to assume a car with 300,000 miles might have a bad wheel bearing. Sure. So unless you tell me there is a problem, someone oh, else changed it ongoing. last time, and I didn't know that, well, then I'm not going to go and spend a lot of time looking for a problem because looking costs money. Exactly. And you, know, you wouldn't want someone to go in and spend all that extra time, read costs to you, sure. for no reason at all so anyway that's all there is to say about that <laughs> i want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every saturday morning on the automotive hour I'd
1: like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and tell your friends and go to itunes and stitcher and all those great services yeah, and give Pod, us a
0: written rating podbean or podnet or whichever ones you might listen to There's there you go bunches of them out there, there we thank them all for running our show Yeah, give us a written rating and that'll move us up in the rating so more folks can find us. And preceding one's opinion, based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.